podcast one production. Jenny Cooney has been a part of Hollywood for 30 years, reporting on all the Aussie stars, from Hoags to the Hemsworths, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie and beyond. This is Aussies in Hollywood. Often on my podcast series, I talk to Aussie talent who struggle for decades before they finally get their big break. Well, cinematographer Dion Beebe is not one of those guys. Dion studied cinematography at the Australian Film, TV and Radio School and quickly found himself in Hollywood working with great filmmakers like Michael Mann, Ang Lee and Rob Marshall. He was nominated for an Oscar for the musical Chicago and in 2005 he won an Oscar filming Memoirs of a Geisha. Dion recently returned to Australia to film the Helen Reddy biopic I Am Woman, directed by his own wife, Anju Moon, and he welcomed me into his Hollywood Hills home recently to talk about his brilliant career. Here's Dion. Thanks, Dion, for um, being on Aussies in Hollywood. My pleasure. And you're a very difficult person to pin down because you're always travelling and working, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think it's just part of, I've had to accept that as part of uh, my lifestyle, but uh, it's nice to be in LA and speaking to you here in my home. It seems like you had such an incredible journey and so much happened for you so quickly. It's kind of like the opposite story to what I hear from a lot of people who struggle for 20 years and... You know, well, for me, the sort of film school journey did help shave a couple of years off my sort of progress because what I realized pretty quickly while I was at film school is that I'm a really lousy camera assistant. So <laughs> when I left film school, I realized that I could never have a career as a as a camera assistant. Is that what you wanted to do? No, but it was just the sort of given, it was the given path. You know, not, not it wasn't necessary but you know it was the sort of traditional way forward you'd come out you'd start assisting and you'd operate or you know there's 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 a number of different ways to 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 get into shooting into um being a director of photography but realizing you're like really lousy assistant means that it really wasn't a choice for me I sort of had to I just had to jump in and say, you know what, I'm just going to shoot and I'm just going to fumble my way through this and, uh, and see what happens. Well, it worked out pretty well, I think. <laughs> now, the funny thing is on IMDb, where your credits are all listed, some of them are listed as director of photography and some are listed as cinematographer, like just completely differently. Is there a difference and why do some of them say one thing and some say the other? You know, I've got no idea why they <laughs> differentiate because, in truth, they are the same thing. I mean, potentially, you could say that um, a cinematographer includes operating and lighting, and that a director of photography potentially means that you're you're not physically operating. You're actually, um, you know, you're the one directing camera, directing lighting. You know, so. Directing the guy holding the camera. Exactly. So as opposed to physically operating, you know, in Australia we, you know, tend to sort of, you know, a lot of times, you know, you're operating the camera yourself because the size. Because you're doing everything in Australia. You're doing everything and the size of production doesn't normally allow you to have numerous operators. But certainly coming here, the, the preference is, particularly on the bigger movies, that you have operators because your your workload 
makes it hard to be stuck behind the camera sometimes. So that'd be my best guess at differentiating between those two. <laughs> that's a better that's a better one than I've heard before. So if we just go back to a little bit about your origins, you were born in Australia, but you grew up a little bit in South Africa, right? Can you talk a little bit about your journey? Yeah, so I was, you know, born in in Brisbane, Queensland, and um, I have a South African mum and an Australian dad. So at the, at the age of five, my family moved from, you know, from Queensland to Cape Town and then ended up, you know, pretty much doing all of my schooling in Cape Town. So what were you, five or six? when you About six when we settled in Cape Town and then from six through to 18, I was in Cape Town. Um, finished sort of high school. At that point, my passion was stills photography. I spent a couple of months, um, in a way, interning, assisting a photographer in Cape Town. And, uh, and there, so I was finally in this guy's studio loading like large eight by seven slides for a tabletop margarine commercial and um, all day long loading these big plates as they were sort of trying to get that perfect knife through the margarine shot you know and and as as a sort of 18 year old spending your day doing that the idea that my future could be this pretty much I I quit at the end of that day you know I was like and and I and that's when I decided to go to film school um and I actually went to a film school in Pretoria at Pretoria Tech uh for most of a year as I applied to AFTRS in Australia so I I was sort of determined to go to AFTRS my older brother had already um started there in the directing course so he moved back before you and Anton yeah Anton my brother had had yeah had moved to Australia he was there at film school in Sydney and and I so I sort of made an application it was quite a rigorous application process for afters um you know three-day interview and lots of material they required so it was it was touch and go that I I'd I'd get accepted but um I got accepted. And, and we should say, by the way, AFTRS is the Australian Film, Television and Radio School. It is. And it's in Sydney. Know, in Sydney. Yeah. Um, it, it was a really sort of great three years. It really sort of, for me, accelerated my knowledge and and was sort of key for me to sort of coming out of film school and really feeling like I could take a chance and, and start shooting, you know. Mm. Um, it was a very sort of hands-on. It was quite, you know, a lot of practical, a lot, you know, shot a lot of, short films and um and so i just you know i threw sort of all caution to the wind and and just went out and said okay i'm a i'm a i'm a dp cinematographer and um see what happens had you been keeping up with the australian film industry growing up in cape town or were you aware of the cinematographers in australia and before you came back at 18 or what was your sort of exposure to um, very, very little in in Cape Town through that period in South Africa. In that period, it was it was fairly isolated. I, I, I felt a little cut off. My sort of connection to cinema was really was a tiny little cinema down a little art house cinema down the road from our house. Um, so and there and they'd run these little sort of French film festivals and they'd get obscure films in every now and then. So my exposure to you know, cinema being more than just 
what was at the Cineplex was through this little cinema. And, but very little exposure to Australian um, movies through that period, other than the ones that sort of would have, that broke out and went internationally. It was only really, I think, landing in, in, in Australia and being at film school that I started to really realize the sort of breadth of um, the sort of talent there and, and, and the sort of uniqueness of the sort of work that was coming out of Australia at the time. Being in that industry and wanting to do that almost most of your life in some way and then getting through film school and doing music videos and shorts and other things, to finally be on a set and be the guy in charge of the camera, what did that feel like? Um, it was it was pretty daunting, you know. I think, you know, when you're young, the great thing is, is that when you're young, you're you're pretty fearless about these things because you're going into situations that you really you can't anticipate because you've never been there. So, I think you know what is key at at in those early years of your career is is just be bold, you know, you, you've got to take those chances because what I realize is that you, you're never prepared, you're, ne- you're never fully prepared. Even now I, I start a project and with years of experience, it's like I'm never going to know everything. You just pretty much just have to make that decision, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, First, I'm going to convince myself I can do it and then I'm going to convince everyone else. Yeah. Right. Go back to the music videos a little bit because it's, it's still a part of your life now. I mean, what, what did that world mean to you? And, I mean, you've done some super cool ones like, you know, Beyonce and Rihanna and all kind of, and starting out with In Excess, I think, was, was that your early yeah, we did, music I videos? Yeah, I did some work with In Excess and um, the Divinals and, you know, you know, look, music videos were, as a young cinematographer, such a great sort of medium. And as much as the music videos sort of really gave me a chance to explore sort of, you know, fantastic, you know, visual storytelling and, and just the sort of power of sort of the visuals in the medium, um, I, I was still sort of looking for that sort of... I, I was really looking for a, the, the chance to do a feature. It's funny, in a way, the music videos fed into, which I really didn't see coming, is is a sort of career shooting musicals, you know, because I've done oh, the sort yeah. of string of musicals, you know, which, you know, when I was coming through film school and when I was even growing up, you know, you know, musicals were, I mean, amounted to pretty much Grease and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, that was it for musicals, you know. I, I really didn't get a lot of exposure, so... The idea of shooting musicals, you know, in my as a career, you know, in my career was just really far from you know my thoughts. But in a way, you know, coming out, you know, getting into music videos, being exposed to that, and um, you know, then getting that opportunity to to sort of you know to shoot musicals, you know, it, it sort of it makes sense. In so when Rob Marshall met you for Chicago, did he know about that background and did you feel like immediately it did help in some way? You know, it, it absolutely did help because we, our meeting was very sort of, um, I mean, it was just a series of fortunate events, you know, in, in a way because, you know, I was on a movie in, in England that w- was in the process of falling apart 
we'd shot about two weeks and it, it was uh, it, it it couldn't go forward. So I was suddenly in London wow. without you know just hanging out. They were trying to recast at the time, uh, as these things do happen on movies. It let's just say it involves Winona Ryder back when she was struggling with um, painkillers. Oh. And may have involved um, a certain shoplifting incident. Oh, right that, then. That happened okay. in Los Angeles around about the same time. Two weeks in, wow. And we were into, yeah, we were we were two weeks into shooting. And, wow. um, and, you know, she was clearly sort of struggling with her own demons and um, took a sort of weekend to come back to L.A. And then, of course, that sort of now sort of infamous sort of situation happened. And then couldn't return, of course, to the UK. So we were sitting in in the UK without a lead actress, as they tried desperately to sort of recast the movie. Awful. Yeah, it was it was tough. But uh, so there we were sitting with you know with um, this production underway. We sort of went on hiatus for a little bit as they tried to recast. So I was in London, hanging out, waiting for the thing to reboot. Hopefully. When I, my agent called me and said, look, uh, you know, there's this project. Um, it's a musical called Chicago. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm just about to go down on the West End and watch it. It was playing in London no. at the time. Yeah, it was crazy coincidence. So I watched it. I remember going in, you know, somewhere on the West End, watching Chicago, thinking, how the hell is this going to be a movie? You know, because it's so sort of... It, as a musical, it's it's multiple points of view. It's it's very sort of it's fairly sort of you know there's this sort of it's a little bit sort of vignette-y in the way it's it's told and and I think on in theater you can switch the point of view a lot and sort of it can still be cohesive. I think it's much harder in film to do multiple points of view. You know, then I got on the phone with Rob and we had a you know we had a long conversation. Um, I he he is a sort of a just understands musicals he'd grown up with the genre was just every fiber of his body understands musicals I felt you know somewhat out of my depth talking to him in terms of the references and but one thing we sort of connected on was you know I said well look for me what feels key to this thing is you know that we find a way to sort of transition from the sort of narrative elements the story elements and the music you know and the song but for some reason, and I, it still perplexes me to this day, he sort of he decided to go with go with with me to shoot that film, and 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 just coming back, I suppose, on the music video conversation earlier, one of the reasons um, you know he did he did decide to go with me was um, he f- he found, and I'm not sure even what version or how he got it, but he found a VHS. Or someone gave him a VHS copy of my showreel from Australia, you know, wow. and um, and he watched that with you know his partner John DeLuca, and and they sort of decided that they loved the reel, they loved the sort of some of the sort of visual elements, and it was like a probably a three minute montage of music videos, movies, shorts. Yeah. Um, and and almost on the basis of that, decided that that they were going to go with me, you know, that, and they ended up talking to Jane Campion. They called her up and she apparently gave me a, a, a great review. So I'm 
also indebted to Gene for that. Well, that was the 1999 movie Holy Smoke you did with Jane Campion. That was your first movie with her and then you did In the Cut as well later. Yeah. So I guess that was probably when you worked with someone like that at that point, was that sort of a game changer in your career, like a Jane Campion movie and then you end up being able to work anywhere? That really was. You know, working, doing Holy Smoke, of course, all these things suddenly give you um, recognizability. that's a word. But, um, yeah. you know, so coming to, so after that movie, coming to the US, um, suddenly there was, you know, as opposed to the sort of, you know, the rather sort of lovely low-budget movies I'd been doing in, in Australia, which... Um, had sort of, you know, all had sort of great festival exposure and runs. But you walk into a meeting in at, with an agent in in L.A. And literally at the time, if, if the movie wasn't Strictly Ballroom or Crocodile Dundee, they didn't know what the hell it was, you know. So you, you quickly realize that unless it had had some sort of exposure, some sort of a theatrical release in the U.S., mostly they didn't know it. And, and you were sort of... Um, you were sort of starting from scratch. Um, and, and a little bit, I mean, even though uh, Holy Smoke had those credentials and, you know, had a great cast and, and, and had Jane, you know, it still was considered art house and, and slightly sort of left of center. Um, but it, it really was, for me, it was, a, it was a sort of game changer in terms of being, having a, a, a movie with that profile. How would you describe your style if you think you have one that's a consistent thread through all your work? Um, look, part of me sort of hopes that there is no consistency, you know, because, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the story, the script should dictate the style, you know, and I've, and I've tried to sort of, you know, stay sort of true to that sort of mantra, you know, but... But I think, look, we have a way of seeing. I think everyone has a, a way of seeing things. And, and, and I really feel strongly that you give a camera to anyone and put a single object in the room and tell them to photograph it, every single picture will be different. You know, even if it's a white room with one object, you know, um, just how we stand, how we look, how we perceive something is, it's just unique. A every human being has a unique sort of perspective. So I think... You know, yes, I think there's probably a signature that we carry, that we have on our work, um, just purely because it's from us. Um, but, but I do feel also strongly that, that you know, the story should dictate yeah. the style. So yeah. you're kind of more serving the vision of the director uh, as well. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a I mean, collaboration, it's, it's a, but it is, it's a collaboration. And, it's, and I think part of that first, the first part of the journey in any movie is finding that language, finding what that vision is together, you know, discovering, well, what is the sort, this, this sort of story, whose perspective, how do we best serve this story and perspective in terms of our visual language and style and, 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 you know, it's very broad at first and then I think you, you start to slowly define it more and more and start to get more specific and, and find ways to, you know, really uniquely tell that story. Um, and then you, now you're down to sort of colour palette and you're down to, you know, choice of lenses and cameras and film or digital or, you know, it's, there's so many then sort of 
details that will then inform that final vision. That's what I find really fascinating because on some areas it's such an artistic job and in other areas it seems so technical. It sounded like with Michael Mann you went through a huge journey, technically speaking. You know, it's funny, yes, I, it is technical but and it's funny that I've sort of found myself at the sort of forefront of these sort of very sort of innovative sort of movies because... I consider myself the least technical person, you know, in the room. Of course, we learn and we have to, you know, in, particularly in terms of cinematography, you've got to come in with a certain sort of technical know-how. But I really have stood by from going back to my first movie as a 20, totally green 24-year-old kid. Um, you know, you, you, it, it really is true that you can surround yourself with, with knowledgeable, technically knowledgeable people. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I've always felt that for me, what's more important than technical knowledge is, is having a vision for what you, what you see, how you see it, and, and how you realize that. There are a lot of people that can help you realize it. But, but having the idea, having the sort of, you know, sometimes the courage or just, just simple naivety to go into something without the knowledge is important because that's how we, that's how we innovate. Because as I said earlier, we're never going to master all of these technical aspects of filmmaking because they're changing all the time and there are so many that I think it's, it's important to not consider the technicalities at all at first and then as you move forward tackle the technical challenges but if you if you go at a problem thinking about how technically difficult it is it's gonna it's gonna hinder you it's gonna slow you down it's gonna and sometimes it'll stop you you got an oscar nomination for chicago and it's still credited today i think with literally reviving the musical, and it never went away again, really, after that. But it was Memoirs of the Geisha, which was three years after Chicago, your second collaboration, where you actually won the Academy Award. How old were you? Gosh, I, I, I actually haven't done the math. I'm not, <laughs> somebody, I'm sure, can go and do 2005. it. 2005. Yeah, 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 2005. Um, yeah, look, I was, I, you know, I, I, was, I was young, you know, young in many ways look when I was first nominated on Chicago of course I was younger and even greener and really didn't understand what an academy what it meant to be nominated you know what that process and what the whole you know that that whole you know award season the whole build-up I was totally naive to that and and people like oh well so-and-so wants to you know they want to do an interview it's like why you know I'm working I'm busy it's like you know you know the idea that you had to campaign for and through the Academy Awards sort of lead up was just weird for me. Yeah, um, and it's an Aussie thing too, right? So yeah, you sort of just—it's like, well, you know, look, I got nominated, so you know, we'll just see how it works out. You know, the best me, the best person win. It's um, so. Who won that year? Well, in the end, it it was um, it was posthumous. Um, oh. uh, it was Conrad Hall. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, That's a tough category then. <laughs> that was a no-win situation for me because, you know, 
even though um, even though that look Chicago won every other category. Um, it it um, I knew through the whole again through the build up. You know, once he passed away, he was nominated. Then he passed away. Um, that you know, and, and he is one of the the great cinematographers. You know, uh, American cinematographer, probably one of the greatest yeah. ever. You know, um, that it was. Um, yeah, I I would have to sit back and watch this one out. You know, from the sidelines. But uh, look, so you know, uh, when memoirs came along, I was a, I was a little little wiser um not again not that i think you know you have to be wise these things happen and you they're going to play out how's how they play out um but it was look it was an, an incredible experience an incredible journey terrifying most of the time you know sort of um and no more so than you know the night of you know where you're sitting there um just you know you're, you're oscillating between you know you know, I can get this, I can win this, and thinking, whatever happens, I don't want to win, so I don't have to go up on that stage and and try and say and talk something. To millions and millions <laughs> yeah, of people. Yeah. Exactly, you know, and you know, and there's you know Steven Spielberg and Jack Nicholson and you know all these people sitting there, Meryl Streep in the you know audience sort of, and I just I remember that really clearly, sort of, you know, walking up to the stage is one thing. It's like you're in a little bit of a numb sort of you know. Haze, um, getting to the microphone and then turning around and looking out, you know, and, and to look out in that sort of that mm. theater, suddenly you just, yeah. I mean, the fact that I didn't completely freeze up, I think um, it was remarkable. But the, the first thing I sort of noticed besides all those famous faces sort of staring up at you was the sort of the huge countdown clock which I think by the time I got to the stage was already at like 11 seconds. <laughs> and so I'm literally watching 10, 9, and I'm trying to think, like, what am I going to say? And, and I sort of, you know, ended up sort of blundering it a little bit because I, um, you know, I, I meant to sort of dedicate, dedicate it to my dad who had recently passed away, but instead my mom was there and I, and I ended up saying, you know, you know, I know you're out there, up there somewhere, because my, oh, my right. mother was in the audience oh. up on a higher tier. And I and know people you're thought you meant you accidentally killed your mom at the Oscars. Killed Oscars. my mom, yeah. But she got to have the sort of resurrection tour uh, of, of <laughs> Australia when, when she got back. So. <laughs> well, you, you joined um, an incredibly elite but amazingly big group of Australian cinematographers who've won an Oscar. Like, I can't think of another category where, I mean, it was uh, Andrew yeah. Leslie... Lesney, Russell Boyd, Dean Semler, John Seal, and yourself. No, it, it, it is remarkable. And, 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 and I have to say, look, coming to the US with that sort of legacy in place was, uh, you know, very reassuring, uh, you know, because I think as a, and I remember, you know, it, at film school meeting uh, John Seal and then looking at the work he was doing at that stage, like works, movies like Witness. Um, and the work he was doing with Peter Weir and just thinking, you know, I mean, one, incredible work and, and he is an Australian over there doing it and, and feeling like, well, maybe I could do that, you know, and I think it really does open up that possibility. Seeing, you know, Australians, particularly in, 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 in the field of cinematography, doing such amazing work and, you know, it, it felt possible, you know, so... 
coming over here and, and, and then feeling part of that legacy of Australian cinematographers was, you know, was great. And, and, and why Australians do so well, I'm, I'm not really that sure. I think certainly there's, you know, there's very much the can-do Australian spirit. There's the fact that you know, you've if you've if you've come out of the Australian system, you've you've worked on a lot of low budget productions. You've you've pretty much had to do a lot of stuff yourself. You've had to carry the gear and push the dolly as you're shooting and uh, do all your own lights. And as you sort of slowly sort of find your feet, and um, yeah, it's that attitude of well, you know, one, you know, if if there's no one to do it, you'll do it yourself. And, and two, when you're on set with your crew, it, it everyone, everyone sort of gets behind it. Everyone gets involved. And, and, the, and, and the, the hierarchy is, is, there's not much of, you know, not much hierarchy through that early period of shooting in Australia. So, so yeah, I think you come, I think Australians, yeah, they collaborate well. And that for a cinematographer is, is important. And I think a lot of people that I've done interviewed for this podcast all talk about, you know, Australia has like almost a free education system with the arts and they support the arts so much that it, it really, I mean, to be able to go to school and like not people from NIDA and where you went, you know, in every aspect of the industry. It's no, look, it's remarkable. You know, you think of the the size of Australia, the population of Australia that, you know, we sort of, we definitely sort of, we punch way above our sort of weight category, um, and and yes, you know the the sort of the money that that's being sort of invested in 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 these individuals across various sort of platforms in the arts is key to that. And you know when I went to film school at AFTRS, it was a you know a, you know we we were receiving um, a salary you know, a weekly, yeah, like a weekly stipend to support ourselves so we could completely dedicate ourselves to, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it was, you know, really a remarkable program and I think it, again, you know, for me, it it totally sort of accelerated my path forward because those three years of complete sort of submersion into what I, my sort of craft and my sort of, passions was was huge you know that that those three years were effectively you know 10 years of of you know of learning right um i'm talking in general about how australians are successful overseas but given that we've had five oscar-winning cinematographers do you think uh, as well as just the can do and the other stuff there's anything about learning that craft in australia i mean Maybe because we have so much different kind of the lights and the, it just seems like there must be a sensibility that you might develop that can can work anywhere. Yeah, I, I mean certainly sort of um, one one of my earlier lessons shooting um, movies in Australia was dealing with the Australian sunlight, which is incredibly harsh and. And is, you know, and is always seems to be directly overhead and, um, you know, trying to sort of find your way and, and, and manipulate that was always a challenge. Um, and also the reality of shooting in Australia means, you know, you're, you're not sort of pigeonholed into a genre. By the time you've come through 
years of shooting in Australia, you've probably shot every type of movie there is because of, of the variety of work that goes through and the size of the industry means that, you know, it is always going to be diverse. You're going to be shooting a war movie or then you're going to be shooting an intimate drama and then maybe something that'll be all landscape um, to something that's stuck in a tiny little stage, you know, for three weeks. Yeah. Um, so it, it's... It, you're it, ready for anything. It, it really does put you through the mill, you know, and and yeah, you're ready for those sort of that that those challenges to come. <laughs> um, we haven't even talked about your lovely wife, Anju, yet. You actually, you did you meet at um, Afters? We met at at Afters. Um, you know, she was a first year student arriving. Um, I was in my third year. And um, she had just been living in, in London and Paris and sort of I, I remember hearing the sound of high heel shoes walking down the corridor at film school. The first time I'd ever heard that sound in, <laughs> at film school. <laughs> and, of course, um, yeah, so we, we met and, um, yeah, have been together ever since, you know, so... And she was studying directing? Is that what she was in? So she came in in the producing program okay. at first year at film school and, and then sort of segued into directing um, and producing. And now, you know, we've just um, collaborated on our first feature together. So That's right. That's yeah. what I'm very excited. We're um, on the verge of the opening night film for the Toronto Film Festival for I Am Woman. And um, all that time ago... And I know that she she did work with you. You collaborated on a documentary, yeah. and a few things. So, but this is must be really exciting that you actually got to work with your wife. Yeah, look, we we were we had worked together over the years, commercials, short films. We did a feature length documentary on Tony Bennett. Um, so so we had sort of been, you know, obviously involved professionally. Um, but, you know, the first feature is still the first feature, you know, and collaborating um, with all that pressure and we, you know, sh it was shot and funded through Australia. Um, you know, we, we were not sure how that was going to work out, but it, it was, you know, really it was an amazing um, process and and we got on and we're still still together. Yeah. <laughs> you, you survived. <laughs> we survived, yeah. yeah. Um, how, how did the collaboration work where... You've worked with so many great directors and Anju's on, on a set for the first time as the director of a movie. Did you, like, want to not give her any tips or did you say, well, when I worked, when Rob Marshall did that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be the total smart-ass. Um, <laughs> but no, no, really, I mean, yeah. she could obviously welcome some of it, I'm sure. Yeah, no, look, I think... Um, Sure, I'm 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 sort of coming with a certain sort of level of experience, having you know shot uh, quite a few features, but you know when I start a new project, I really want to clear the slate in terms of my reference points, in terms of how I'm going to approach this, how I'm going to work if I'm working with a director for the first time. I also want to really, I, I want to hear them. I want to hear their point of view. I'm, I, I'm always trying not to enforce a point of view because that's how you will ultimately find a unique voice to whatever that project is and not repeat yourself. And I, and I think if you enforce a very strong sort of, whether it's a strong lighting approach, a strong sort of compositional sort of approach, 
you're going to start to impose things on on the story that may or may not work. So so we we sort of you know we had a we had a really nice collaboration, and I think we both sort of challenged each other. And um, did you ever have any big disagreements? Um, you know, look, we had daily disagreements, not big ones. I mean, the fact that we were with each other 24-7 meant that a lot of those disagreements, we could have those conversations and resolve them before we got to set. <laughs> um, so, you know, there, there was, look, on one hand, you can't escape the movie because you're, you're day, night, weekends, you're just always in it. But also, you know, as Anju points out, it was also a huge advantage because we were able to come prepared, you know, on a, on a small film, six weeks, period. You know, we had a lot of challenges, but we could always, um, we had that, we always had that extra time. So we were always coming to set prepared, you know. And when you're on a movie like that, you know, if you're not shooting in the first hour, you're not going to make your day, you know. So you really have to hit the ground running and it doesn't let up. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, we th- there were certainly advantages to you know to working and living together. <laughs> yeah. Did anything surprise you, or you learned something about your wife that you didn't know before this experience? Y- yes, you know she's, she always surprises me, but just the sort of um, the sort of um, the calm, assertive control she had on set, um, I-, I was very impressed with. We we this was. For me too, after coming off, I, I think the the movie prior was probably 180 million. Was that you know. Mary Poppins Returns? Yeah, so I came off Mary Poppins. It was, you know, probably yeah, probably 150 odd. Um, to go on to you know a six million dollar movie was you know humbling for me, but also you know presents a lot of different challenges. Um, and and the one big one is is the sort of pressure and and the. I mean, the time pressure you're under and the creative pressure you're under in order to, to pull this whole thing together in, in, in the time given. And also knowing that there's no margin for error. You know you, you, you know, you can't go back and fix stuff. You know, it's like by when that day's done, that it's, it's done. You know, there's, mm. there's no money to like, well, tomorrow we should really go back and fix that problem but she really sort of handled it with um you know with with this really calm assertive sort of attitude and and I think in a way that is the only way through these sort of high pressure situations because I've seen every reaction you know and I've seen panic and I've seen anger and and you know screamers and 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 it doesn't get you there maybe we can guess who the screamers are there are a couple, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should say that I Am Woman is uh, the story of Helen Reddy who sort of was one of the pioneers of the music industry for Australia who came before Olivia Newton-John and everybody else and has really, her story hasn't been told that well before. But I believe, uh, she, I think you guys met Helen Reddy at a G'day USA event and that was when it all started, right? Yeah, yeah, no, we were at some, yeah, G'day USA. Um, I sort of sat at this table next to this woman who was lovely and I introduced myself and then I introduced her to Anjou who was sort of to my sort of right. Helen was to my left. And as soon as Anjou heard her name, she just said, we're switching seats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
And so I switched with her and then she sat next to Helen all night and, and just realized that this was a story that she needed to tell, you know, that mm. it hadn't been told. And the funny thing is, like, I meet Australians who didn't even know Australia, that Helen was Australian. Yeah. Well, I was lucky enough to get a sneak preview of the movie and it's really great and no, thank it's you. obviously very well shot and directed, but it's well, just yes. also a really uh, great story with, you know, the highs and the lows and the, the music and it, yeah, it's kind of got yeah. the whole package, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's also there's something sort of uniquely Australian about it as well, you know, in, in that, you know, it goes back a little bit to what we spoke about earlier is when you're young and you have passion and sort of conviction and, you know, and believe in yourself, you'll just do stuff that, you know, you look back on and think, well, that was crazy. You know, why <laughs> did I do that? But she got on a plane as a, as a young single mother with a three-year-old child and just went to New York, you know, yeah. to, and stayed there and, and forged a career at a time when as a young single mother, you know, chances were pretty slim you were going to make it, let alone coming from, yeah, you know, from Australia. Australia. Back uh, then it wasn't fashionable to be Australian. There were not a lot of people, you know, just jumping on a plane and coming over to make it an entertainment in, in the U.S. But, but she had that dream and, and just went for it. Um, did you do Gemini Man before? I went from Poppins to Gemini Man. Uh-huh. And so I came off Gemini Man onto I Am Woman. So, yes, I'd come off that behemoth of a movie onto, you know, uh, I Am Woman where, you know, a crew of five. <laughs> you shot the whole thing in Australia, I Am Woman. So it, it all shot in, in Sydney. Is that the first time you've come back and shot? That was my first time back shooting an Australian feature since pretty much since I left. So what was that part of it like for you? I mean, it was great. It was a really great experience. And, and, and I'd sort of... Um, sort of realized how much I missed, you know, Australian crews and just the sort of irreverence yeah. that you get on set, you know. Um, but also just, you know, really, I, I had a great crew, really hardworking, um, really talented. And, and I think, you know, when you're in that situation where you're having to work at that pace and, and that sort of level of difficulty um, with a small crew, I mean, you need, everyone's got to be on their game and... Um, so we had a, yeah, we had a really, I had a really great experience being back. Would you go back again? Yeah, look, and I had looked at projects over the years and, you know, quite famously, we almost shot um, Memoirs of a Geisha there. You know, we were very close to shooting memoirs there, um, except for the fact that um, Australian quarantine wouldn't let Rob's dog into the, into the country without putting it in quarantine for six months. Wait, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. And that was the only reason it didn't shoot in Australia. So that was, and that was about. <laughs> I don't a, remember that story. That was about a seven million dollar difference between shooting it in Sydney or shooting it in LA. And in the end, when they refused to let the, his dog in, it uh, he said no, and uh, we shot it in in LA. Um, so there's a well, lot it's of you know. It's a good thing Johnny Depp didn't know in advance that he couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get his little dogs uh, in uh, the he, country he, legally. Oh, uh, he knew. He knew. <laughs> <laughs> he just decided to bypass that little detail. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was the sort of um, so the I, wow. the LA crew were very thankful to um, mm. 
to to the to the dog. Yeah. <laughs> so your next movie, you're returning to work with Rob Marshall and returning to London for The Little Mermaid. That's a live action version of yeah. the cartoon. And you mentioned you'd be there for a year. I mean, yeah. how how does it take a year? Like you're the cinematographer. Um, like yeah, it it well, it's sort of. You know, it comes down to the level of involvement. I've actually started on this project in May of this year, so it's almost going to be close to a year and a half um, of involvement. You know, but you know that that period, the full time period, starts yeah in September and will sort of end probably in September 2020. But with a, with a project like this, and again, because of my sort of relationship with Rob, you know, we collaborate on on a lot. A lot of things on in in a different sort of in a different way as I would often with other directors yeah. and also that this project has a lot of technical challenges to it because of you know not just the underwater aspect but because you've got sort of half human half sort of fish you know you're dealing with in terms of how those characters move and how they interact um, yeah. you know trying to sort of figure out what are the live action elements that we're going to shoot, what are the VFX components and the animated aspects we're going to obviously have to sort of marry with that. Is that something uh, as a technical skill that you've had to really learn through your career where even with Mary Poppins there was a little bit of that? Um, yeah. you know, look, It must be tricky when you're shooting a movie and there's a whole other movie. It is and I, and I think um, I've always tried to stay up to speed on, on the sorts of, particularly in, in the world of visual effects, because that's such a fast-moving, um, you know, field in in terms of filmmaking, and it's there's so much change and innovation going on every year um, that, you know, I think for a cinematographer it is important to to understand the workings of that. N- not that you have to understand the technicality of it, but you really do want to know what can be achieved and and be aware of 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 what you can do and and. F- the different methodologies available to do it. Well, thank you so much for talking to us for Aussies in Hollywood and um, we can't wait to see what's next. No, thank you. It's been my great pleasure. Thanks. Well, I've already had a sneak peek of the film I Am Woman and I can't wait for you all to check it out when it hits cinemas in 2020. In the meantime, Dion's now in London for the next year or so, working with none other than Rob Marshall again on the live-action film version of Little Mermaid. I have no doubt if anyone can make it work, it's Dion. Until next time, that's all from Aussies in Hollywood. Aussies in Hollywood was presented by me, Jenny Cooney, and recorded in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Audio production was by Nick Slater, and executive producer was Jenny Goggin. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the app or look me up on iTunes.